Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined today by my good friends, Amy and Tim from Go With Less. They're going to talk all about nomadic lifestyle, fire, the financial independence movement, living on the road, house sitting, how they tie in miles and points to their full-time nomadic life, plus the community of nomads, house sitters, travel hackers that they've built, all of that coming up. It's a great show, a lot of good advice, a lot of good stuff to hear. I did want to apologize about this episode coming out just a little bit late. There was a conflict in our scheduling for recording this, and we ended up having to record it a little bit later than normal, and thus it's coming out a day later than our normal episodes do on Thursdays. So I apologize for that, but I think it's worth the wait. I think you guys will enjoy it. You can check out them on YouTube with Go With Less, their Go With Less No Spaces Facebook group, and I'll put links in the description for all of that. Before we hit the show, as a reminder, you can find everything related to this show, links to subscribe, links to apply for cards, support the show at mtmpodcast.com. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps us out tremendously, helps us reach more people. I've known Tim and Amy for quite a few years. They're some of my favorite people. They inspire me. Their life inspires me. Their community, their, their joy, what they bring to the community inspires me. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Learn a thing or two. Enjoy. Yes, yeah, so I stayed there. It used to be called the Bali Hyatt. Uh, and that's when I stayed there. It was a category one back in the day. It's the first Hyatt Hotel in Asia. Oh. But yeah, they closed for a few years. And I haven't been back. I've been wanting to get back since they renovated into the Hyatt Regency. It's incredible. That, yeah, and the Grand Hyatt used to be a category two. Now it's a category one. And there's what, an Alila that's a category one? Well, there's three different there's, there's three different Alilas. There's like one that's more like nature-y. That's like a category one. And the one in Abood, I think, is a category two. Yeah. And then the really nice one is like a category four or something. That's in Semenac, which we don't, that's like a party place. Yeah. You, have you memorized the entire Hyatt uh, chart? <laughs> no, it's just, I've been, yeah, Bali is yeah, a place I always look to get back to. It's so far out of the way. So what they say here, um, and I've looked, it's that, so we're here in rainy, we're here in the worst season, so it gets five degrees cooler and less rain in the summer. So in Malaysia, they said it will get like 10, it's very, very hot. They said it is, it's rainy season now, but it is, um, it will get like 10 degrees hotter in the summer. Here, it actually cools down just the teeny, teeny, like degrees, but at least it's not rainy, which maybe isn't, maybe isn't as humid. So yeah, so we're looking to come back for a month next year. And so maybe come, we're going to bring a big group with us. And you guys do such a good job with the community. And I can't wait to talk all about that because it's one of my favorite things that I've watched kind of grow from, you know, its infancy, I guess. Uh, you guys run a online community for nomads and you run Go With Less, which is a YouTube channel talking about your life as nomads as fire as people who have retired early and you guys are also miles and points fanatics too so we have a lot to cover on this show we do we always do so i met you guys a few years ago now at fincon which is a financial bloggers conference and i'll never forget like uh, i was going to attend and i get a message a few days before i get there asking me to go to dinner saying a few miles and points people were going to dinner because this is mostly like financial people not a lot of people in the travel hacking genre so you invited me i couldn't go to dinner but we did meet during the conference and uh, we've i don't know been friends ever since and had many many other interactions and i think you two are some of my favorite people in the world and people that everyone should aspire to be like. So I can't wait to, I know that I flattered you a little bit, but can't wait to, to talk to you guys and, and share a little bit. I think we can just wrap up the whole conversation there. It doesn't go, it goes downhill from here. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, there's so much to talk about and you have such a unique perspective and you guys do such a great job of involving others and sharing positivity and all of that. So specifically on this show, I want to talk about your nomadic life, how you guys got to be fire and also your go with less community, which is a community of nomads that's kind of grown around the world. And it seems like everywhere you guys go, there's not just like a couple people. There's like sometimes dozens of people. And then people now get together with each other when you guys aren't there and are meeting up all over the world, a community of travelers. It's amazing. Thank you. It's my legacy. It's uh, something I'm, I'm, I've spent a lot of time on it. So I'm really proud of it. So before we get into talking about all that stuff, let's talk about you guys. How did you guys get a, maybe a quick version of the story, how you guys got to be where you are today, fired. So you were retired early. Uh, FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early for those listeners out there who don't know. Also living full time on the road, no matter how did that happen in your was it late 40s yes so in 2015 i was 46 tim was 48 and we left our careers and we jumped on board with the fire i know the community doesn't really embrace the word fire movement but whatever we we fired we left our careers and started a life of independence and that was back in 2015 we did something a little bit differently than many in the community do so a lot of people who blog they work toward fire they have a number in mind they're working toward it for years and years and years uh when we found it out about it we had already had good practices and so when we learned that this was it was a big thing in 2014 we just needed to get a few ducks in a row and we were ready to pull the trigger so we did and that involved selling our big home back in Colorado we weren't nomads right away so we moved into a town home that we used as a rental uh, but we really kind of downgraded our life our spending I should say we upgraded our lifestyle but we downgraded our spending and that allowed us to not work anymore for money there's a lot of people in the points in my community who uh, aspirational travels that's something with our points and miles usually what we were doing early on in the game is we were trying just to have as many points as we could so that we could support our nomadic lifestyle still flying economy class and things like this so something we've sort of evolved to over the course of the past four years is we're i think we're trying to upgrade our style of travel also there's a lot of people i think who are uh, maybe turned off isn't the maybe the right term but this go with less the idea that so we, we were spending about thirty six thousand dollars a year when we fired that that turns off a lot of people i think who are looking to maybe have first class travel or these accommodations so what we're trying to do with our points and miles is actually have as bougie of a life as we can with as uh, as uh, as little spending as we can. So our lifestyle, when we talk about our spending, also is, I think, frowned upon by people because spending that much money, you can't have an amazing life. We have an incredible life uh, with very little spending. And I think points and miles sort of help us, uh, not I think, points and miles help us, period, uh, make our life more bougie while not spending so much. And I do want to jump in. So when Tim mentions that we spent $36,000 a year, that's where we ended up. We had been spending $115,000 a year up until then. So it was the shift from $115,000 to $36,000 that allowed us to leave our employment. So I think that that's a really important thing. We weren't always this frugal, but we both worked very, very hard. We were very good savers. Uh, we still spent, obviously, a lot of money, $115,000. That didn't include uh, savings. That didn't include uh, taxes. That was really just spending. So so we had been kind of like more like keeping up with the Joneses kind of people, not not necessarily because, again, we didn't spend what we could, but uh, we, we were good savers. But we, we were 
our spending was was not always so frugal. And now we just put out our 2022 spending. It was roughly 50,000 for the entire year. And that is after all this inflation and eight years later after firing, we're still spending not, not that much to have a really glamorous lifestyle. It's an interesting conversation to have around finances and miles and points and how they can help you, to your point, Tim, have a bougie lifestyle, but also for people who aren't fired yet, how they can be a financial tool towards reaching financial independence or towards saving, which is something a lot of people in the hobby don't talk about a lot, cashing in points. It's something that we've talked about more recently. I just cashed in a million American Express points I've talked about here, which you know was painful for me because I love to use my miles and points for travel, but I came to realize, hey, these have a cash value. I'm not using them. You know, I can invest them and, and they can be more powerful for me in the long run. And so, yeah, it's so interesting to see like the different worlds, the fire world and the miles and points world uh, combine. And, and, you know, there's definitely some disconnections, I think, on the surface, at least, especially with your bougie lifestyle, as most fire people don't tend to live that way. We do. <laughs> we try to. That's right. We're in Bali right now in a really nice uh, Grand Hyatt. We were in the Hyatt Regency last week. We have lounge access. And so uh, in a large part of our life, and I know we're going to maybe circle back to this, we do this house-sitting gig, but we're in hotels uh, for basically the first quarter of the year. Four months. Uh, four oh, months four of months. the year. So this is a little bit new to us, but this is definitely a, a step up uh, in terms of what uh, our usual. So we flew here business class. On Polaris, uh, on Polaris and on Singapore Airlines. And so we, we definitely have a, something a little bit new for us in these hotels that are super nice. And because we have status globalists with Hyatt, uh, we get treated very well here. Also, Bali's just a bargain to start with. But uh, So we're living our bougie dream here in Bali. Yeah, we were just talking before the show. Bali's been a place I've visited, I think, in 2014 or 2015, visited the Bali Hyatt, which was the first Hyatt in all of Asia. And it was like straight out of the 1970s, exposed concrete everywhere, but beautiful gardens and pool area. And it closed for a few years, reopened as the Hyatt Regency. And you guys were just saying how wonderful it is. To your point, I remember the Bali Hyatt, how good the club lounge was and how much I enjoyed walking the gardens there. And I couldn't believe I was only paying 5,000 points a night at the time. And this was pretty early in my Hyatt days. And uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. There are a few uh, 3,500 off peak. We're, we loved it so much. We're coming back for a month next winter, uh, maybe two mo- two weeks at the Hyatt Regency and bringing our Go With Less family hopefully with us. But uh, but it has completely, when you said exposed concrete, it's now a beautiful lounge. If you had told me, if I didn't know and I walked in and you said this is $1,000 a night for seasons, there are two on Bali. I would have believed it. This is this feels like a thousand. Uh, we're at the Grand Hyatt Bali now, but the Hyatt Regency feels like a Four Seasons with the Globalist Lounge was was extremely posh yeah. and gorgeous. Just uh, we were we loved it so much. We we booked it with the next day. We booked it. We planned to come back for another month. We've been inspired. We call it, we we've been looking for Matt. We call it Maui on the cheap is what we've sort of looking for in our lifestyle. So Wailea specifically in Maui is the part of Maui that we like. So we think we found it here. So there's a there's incredible value to be had here. And so beauty. It's, it's beauty. It's like it and the people are oh, just my phenomenal. Goodness. Yes. This is a we it's love like, it. Yeah, we love it here. I can totally agree based on my time there, and I can't wait to get back. I was just telling you how difficult it is to get there, how far out of the way it is. You really have to want to go <laughs> to Southeast Asia, and then even more specifically to Bali, because it's even deeper you know, into to Southeast Asia and lots of connections in time, but totally worth it. And Yeah, you, you, you add other countries. It's an amazing opportunity here for culture and affordability and good food. So I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about the challenges on, of life on the road. As you guys said, you guys had a kind of a 
series of things you did in order to become nomadic. You had to sell your house. And it was a period of even years, I think, before you guys fully hit the road. When did you guys hit the road? Like early 2020 or late 2019, shortly before the pandemic, right? Yes. And part of the reason why we did wait is because we have three children. So many say you can't fire with children. Well, we have three of them. And so that's not true. Uh, But we did need to wait for our youngest to fly the nest. And after she did, that's why we had this big, long time in between firing and becoming nomadic. And it was a progression. So we went from a big McMansion kind of a house to our townhouse rental. And then several years later, uh, I guess we, we moved in in 2015, early 2020, we sold the home and we hit the road. So we were in it for close to five years and it was immediately before the pandemic. So that was January of 2020 is when we hit the road and we were in the US for a little bit, plans fully the whole year to be all over uh, from Asia to Europe and uh, obviously everything canceled. And we were finally really able to hit the road big time in uh, June of 2022, but we had been moving all over the United States in the meantime. So we were not gonna keep a car, but we did. And we moved around the US and discovered how beautiful the US is and, and really made the most of our time there while we had it. And even prior to selling our home in January of 2020, We traveled about uh, 100 days out of the year for the prior three years. We had that sort of a travel spent three or two. At least. So we traveled a lot. A lot. So we were on a podcast uh, right before uh, we decided to actually become nomadic. And they asked us, would you ever consider being nomads? And we told them no. And then I think three months later, we decided to become nomadic and sell our house. So so the nice thing about uh, for us was selling our house. Our house was completely paid for. And we were spending about $1,000 a month uh, to live in our paid for house. We figured if we sold it, it wasn't a place where we necessarily planned to be for a long term anyway. So if we sold the home, uh, we would free up this thousand dollars a month and we could just put towards our nomadic lifestyle. So it, it has worked great for us. And so we were, we're still happy with that decision, even though, so right as the pandemic came together, we thought, man, we're geniuses. We, we sold our home right before the market tanked and things. And then uh, the market did tank and then subsequently came right back as soon as it did. So uh, not not so much geniuses anymore. But uh, anyway, we're, we're happy with our decision to be homeless. That's not, not the right term. Home free. So as someone who's lived nomadic in my life, having sold everything, living 100% on the road, so no home to go home back to, you know, you're just present in the place that you are dealing with that. That's your life. And then also trying this semi-nomadic thing now where I have a home and uh, I'm not, you know, a home to go back to. I feel like tied to it sometimes. So I kind of understand both sides of of this. But what have been some challenges for you guys other than COVID and the pandemic of going full time of being nomadic? I think there's two huge ones. One is continuity of health care. So we are at different dentists, different dermatologists, different doctors regularly. Tim's had skin cancer twice, including uh, just this past uh, six months ago, within the past six months. He's, I guess within the past year, he's had a second skin cancer removed. And so that's a problem when you don't have the same doctor seeing you time after time. And even though we do come back to our home state of, I wouldn't say our home state, our former home of Colorado, uh, it's, it's not the same. It's like if you have a problem, you have to go to other doctors. Now I have had, we both had emergency room things. Tim had a case of diverticulitis that sent him to the hospital for a few hours in Phoenix. And I just broke my foot in Kuala Lumpur uh, a month ago and had to have, I'm in a walking boot with a broken foot. And uh, I had major, major surgery two years ago. That was in Texas. That was quite difficult. So I think that the medical is one big part. The second, which is humongous, is the lack of a routine 
routine. So that's part of the beauty of it is that it's never old. It's never the same day. We like, we say we're addicted to new. So we love that. But it does make it very difficult to be in a health routine, in an eating routine, in a sleeping routine. And we're always, at, we're food people. I say we half the reason we travel the world is to try all the, the good food. So we're not going to be in a place and not try the good food. So we gain weight. And, and even though we walk a lot, it's very, very, very hot in Southeast Asia to do so much walking, even harder when you have a broken foot. So, ha- like, so having like the normalcy of life is is a little bit challenging uh i think it's actually a lot challenging and then i'm even gonna add a third one and that is something that is very surprising to people when they become nomads is how much work it is to constantly be planning where you're sleeping where you're traveling we are fully planned out through new year's of 2024 we're, we're already pl- we plan out far, but we're constantly looking at where are we going, and it's a, a, and people who do this understand it is we're gonna call it a full time job. So thankfully, most of us really like full time trip planning, but it is massive, and anybody thinking about it or considering it should really understand how engaged that is. And the more you move, the more effort that is. I think something else is that we we. We came at this being adaptable, so that's just sort of the way we're wired. I mean, the pandemic happened, we had to pivot. So every time we show up in a, a new situation, like right now we're in a lot of hotels, we have to learn new things. So it's not, I, I, so we could probably go on for hours talking about, so here in the, the hotels, laundry's a big challenge for us. We didn't really think this through. And so we figured out ways to do laundry affordably here in Bali at the hotel. They want to charge you $5 for every piece of laundry. A sock is $5. And so we had to find a plan B for that. Also, with uh, if you were at resort properties, uh, here we're in Nusa Dua uh, in Bali at the Grand Hyatt. We're very removed from restaurants and things. They want you stuck on the resort. So if we were looking for food here, we'd have to go and sort of seek that out. Uh, luckily, we have lounge access, so we just basically have all our meals here. But there's everywhere we go, there's sort of new things that we learn. We that's part a, of what we like. That's, 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 that's why we do this. So right. you make it like a negative. No. It's a positive and a negative. It's, it's fun to figure it out. We were on a cruise for 30 days uh, last year on Carnival, and that came with new challenges. We showed up on the ship thinking we could live here for 30 days, no problem. And by the end of the cruise, we're like, well, maybe this isn't something uh, we don't want to be on a boat necessarily. Two weeks. For, for 30. <laughs> Two weeks, that's right. So you figure things out as you go along. Um, but there you have it. Well, I can say that uh, as somebody who is on the road a lot, laundry anxiety is something that's real. <laughs> Having to find out, especially because we're in hotels a lot more than you guys are. And, you know, we're constantly sort of planning ahead. And there's times where we're doing laundry a couple times in three days, just knowing, okay, we had to do laundry today. We're leaving this place. We found an easy laundry spot. Let's throw in another load because we know we're not going to be in any place. So it it really is a full-time job planning the trip. When we did our original backpacking trip in 07 and 08, uh, we we were traveling hard and heavy. And so all day long, we were traveling, doing stuff. And then at night, I would sit and write and I would plan everything. And that was my entire life. That was it. There was nothing, there was no time for anything else. It's definitely a full-time job. As you said, Amy, It's it can be a negative, but it's definitely a positive because you have all of this new stuff happening and also sleep. I can attest to that. It's very difficult to get on a sleep schedule when you're traveling and in different beds all the time. And that's been something I didn't really struggle with when I was younger, but I felt it uh, more recently. So yeah, the struggle is real. And we're in Southeast Asia. There's no wearing clothes again. It is hot and it is humid and you are, we want to change like multiple times a day. We try to stick to one outfit or else we would be in 
giant trouble with this laundry problem. But uh, but also when you mentioned about writing at night, we when we first hit the road, we weren't nomads. This is 2018, a uh, year and a half before we became nomads. We spent 63 nights in Europe, and every single day we put out a video every day, which is nuts and so now that we as a community and as a society kind of want to chronicle our our adventure maybe you want to put it on instagram you might want to TikTok. if you are adding any kind of social media posting with your photos and explaining what it is you're seeing for even just your friends and family at home on something like facebook that takes a lot of time and after your full day of, of touring and exploring then here you go and now you have you're, when you're pooped, no, you're you're if you're chronicling it, that that takes a bigger chunk of time when it's like fast travel. Yeah, you can become resentful of it too. I mean, that's something you know of social media and having to share it and all that sort of weird <laughs> stuff can come in because you are you know if people go on vacation for a week or two a year and then they have their pictures and then they go about their life. But when you're traveling so much and you're sharing so much, it, the the workload becomes a lot. And then you know people can also think that you're bragging or there can be all kinds of other stuff that that comes into it. A lot of people have a hard time relating to this type of lifestyle, right? The quote unquote normal people. Well, that's why we work so hard to create a Go With Less community. That's exactly why. So let's talk about the community real quick. So Go With Less started as your YouTube channel. And what was the goal is to start just to share about fire? And was it to share about your nomadic life or your journey towards becoming nomadic? Well, Tim is a huge tech guy. And so he thought it would be fun to start a blog and just to kind of and so we put out our first blog post uh two years to the day of me leaving my job and we did a few articles maybe 10 and it took us 40 hours for each article they were horrible uh, we, I'd say that we were going to get divorced if we kept it up because we would edit together and we have very different voices when we write. So I have a conversational kind of voice just like now and Tim's is more his old business voice and we would be arguing and finally friends said after a year they said why are you beating your head like this is you're retired you don't even have to do this at all. A blog and um, you could do a podcast or a video and we're like oh like, we could do video and we never did a blog post again. So we started with video kind of dabbling and we still dabble. So when you mentioned that our group is nomads, it's actually a lot of everything. So it's people who are into house sitting, travel hacking, early retirement and uh, nomadic living and any of those things. So what that means is that nobody is an expert in all of them. So it's really cool because uh, Sean, you're in the group and you're an expert in obviously in points and miles like nobody's business. But when it comes, you don't have a lot of experience with early retirement. And even though you've dabbled in nomadic living, there's people who've been doing it for 10 years that you could learn a lot from or house sitting. So there's so all these four pieces of the pie and they all come together really nicely in our life for the past several years. So, so I, what I wanted to do is introduce our audience to each other. So we, during the pandemic, while we were out all over the U.S., we do a weekly video then. We moved from the daily to the weekly. So we would, uh, our viewers would reach out to us and say, we are, we had a, a, a house sit in, on a farm in the middle of Tennessee, rural Tennessee, which is kind of unusual for us. It was the first time I had been on a farm. And several couples, four different couples wrote to me and said, hey, we're not far from you. Let's meet. It's deep COVID. Let's meet in a park at a, at a park bench and chat. And we kept meeting, and that happened over and over and over and over again for about two years. 
And what we, when we started really meeting our viewers, first of all, they were awesome, and they had great stories, great questions, they were inspiring, whether they had already made the leap to retire or whether they were working toward it, it they were fascinating stories. And, and they would keep telling us, you two, Amy and Tim, you are our only friends that we know who have retired early. Everyone in our life thinks we're crazy, they think we're gonna fail, they, they, they don't understand why we're leaving our successful career. And I would kind of say, I'm pretty like, I'd say, but we just met five minutes ago. So if we're your only friends, like like Tim just met your, just got your name five minutes ago. So you need to have real life local friends who are your community. And they didn't have, and I'd say, I'd try to figure out a way to make this happen and I was getting nowhere. So a viewer finally, noticed what I was trying to do through our videos and he said you're doing this all wrong you need to get a Facebook group and I said I don't we have a Facebook page I don't think anyone's gonna join the Facebook group well as soon as we got off that call with him I started a Facebook group and within three days a thousand people had joined and they were friends that we had met like you so they were our full-time house-sitting friends our full-time nomad friends our full-time travel hacking writing friends and all our friends joined that we had been meeting over the past like eight years so now the whole group is totally different than any other Facebook group I've ever seen. The goal of the group is to meet in person and it's uh, and all over the world. And if you're based in Las Vegas, there are people in Las Vegas. You don't have to wait till you're on traveling and nomading to do this. You can do this wherever you are. And what we found is everywhere we are, there's tons of us. The group is now um, gonna be closing in on 10,000 people. We're getting to our two year anniversary in a few months. It's And the group is, people say they just join Facebook or stay on Facebook just for this group. And in the meantime, it's not just about the meetups it's also like every single travel or life question you have someone in this group has had it it's a zero snark group so very heavily enforced and uh, the group is incredibly positive and and it's like so when we get together it's kind of like a love fest yeah i love how you guys run the group and i love how you have that focus on positivity within your community as you know that's something that is very important to me too with the miles to memories communities and is you know, starting on the base level of let's be nice to each other. And, you know, similar, I think, in the miles and points space, people find themselves isolated because, you know, the lifestyles we lead are different. And I think that's probably some overlap with the people in your group. And it can be hard to find people and it can be hard to, like, trust people to open up to, to share, you know, your experiences because they're just so different from what other people are going through. And that's what, you know, communities are good for. But to your point, I think your special sauce is the way you've brought together the in person meetups and really focused on not just creating an online community, but a real community of people that know each other. And that's why I, I highly recommend your group for anybody who's interested in all those topics that you talked about, because there's such a wide range of knowledge there and just in travel in general. And there's this great spirit among the, the members to get together, to share this passion of travel and life and everything that kind of comes up with it. And it's really inspiring. So hopefully this was a good commercial for your <laughs> Facebook group. Cause I'm not, you know, you guys know I've been in that group since almost day one. I agree. It's unlike any other Facebook group I've ever seen. But when, and thank you so much, by the way. And so, but when you meet your Miles to Memories community on your in-person things, isn't it just magical when you meet your people who are into the spreadsheets, who don't think it's crazy that you have dozens and dozens of credit cards and aren't going to ask if you're ruining your credit every time you mention it and and and, and, and saying how how much in, like the people who are going to go to your events are are embrace this and it's like the same kind of thing so it's it's just when you meet your people it's awesome especially when we have this real core value over uh, experiences over stuff most of our many many in our community have gotten rid of everything and every 
everything they own in the world is on their backs. And these are people who have children, who have like all those crafts that children have made for you, their Mother's Day cards throughout the year, like they're gone. And they have done that. And it's hard, as you mentioned, to talk with people who are just living their normal life. Like it's a big deal to get rid of that stuff. And so, and we have trade-offs. Certainly we get to live a, a wonderful life of our, of our choosing, but it doesn't mean that it's always perfect. And so people in the community who live this life, they understand that you're completely exhausted from traveling. If you post it on your Facebook, I'm exhausted from traveling around luxury resorts in Asia, people are gonna be like, you're an idiot. Like you sound like a jerk. And we get that, but, but it's true. Like you have to be saying like, we're just gonna stay home for three days because we're really tired from too much. And we're gonna stay put at this uh, Airbnb for two weeks or six weeks because it's been too much traveling. So it really sounds, uh, I mean, it's something really strange to, the word complain isn't the right word, but just to, to notice traveling this way is very, very different than traveling on vacation. We're just living on the road, moving all the time. Yes, uh, long-term travel does not equal vacation. That is for sure true. Uh, The truer words have never been spoken. So let's talk about travel a little bit now, and then we'll talk about maybe how you guys are earning miles and points while you travel. But I did want to talk about the house sitting a little bit because you guys are expert house sitters. You've been doing it for many years. You've learned how to kind of build up your presence in the house sitting community and taught others how to do it. What are your tips for people who are looking at house sitting as a way to travel, as a way to, you know, kind of fund it, right? I mean, being able to stay in somebody's house for free or looking after somebody's house without having to pay for hotels, that can be a substantial savings, even if you have miles and points. So what are the best ways to get into the house-sitting community? Yes, we, we called house-sitting the uh, ultimate travel hack. However, uh, that comes with some qualifiers. And first of all, it's it's uh, I think it's often advertised as like it's a, it's a free vacation. You're going to go find some luxury home and you're going to stay there and you're going to be there for a month for free. So it can be that. But when you're there, you're you going to have obligations. And so um, you probably wouldn't want to look at house sitting if you have a, a vacation and you're going someplace for a week. Because if you show up at somebody's house and their pet, which 99% of the time you're going to be caring for a pet at somebody's home, if that pet gets sick and you have to sort of manage that, uh, you're not going to have the vacation you were looking for. But um, how we actually got started in house sitting is we would do local sits. So uh, the way the sites work, the sites that we belong to, Trusted House Sitters is the largest of those sites, and that's the site that we frequent the most. Now, all of our sits have come through Trusted House all Sitters of our or referrals. House, yeah. We have a lot of referrals. Uh, so referrals as well. But you want to have references on this site. When I say references, you need to have a verified sit through the platform to get these references so that you have some credentials when you uh, when you go to sign up for SITS. Um, so the way it works is homeowners will post the information about their SIT and then you as the house sitter will go and apply. And um, again, that's why all, the, why all these referrals come into the mix. And what we did early on is we would go and do short house SITS in our community because we could go and actually meet the homeowners uh, we could have some short sits so that we could get some quick referrals. And so we uh, so we got these references early on, and that's how we sort of got going. And we would suggest that's a good way to sort of get going in the community. Because we're on the road 365 days a year, if we're staying in hotels, that will suck our points fast, and we know that. So, And we haven't been huge fans. Our original idea was to stay in a lot of Airbnbs. The exorbitant cost and fees have driven us kind of away from that model uh, quite a bit. So throwing in a whole bunch of house sits, last year we, uh, in our, our numbers, we house at nearly 50% of the year, uh, which when you have 50% of the year throws in zeros uh, for your uh, living, then that's really nice. 
But there are some things, as Tim mentioned, there's some chores, but there's some things that are way above and beyond a hotel. So, or an Airbnb for that matter. And a big one is that often, most of our houses, they're in very nice spots, uh, we're very particular, and they have really nice kitchens. So when I talk about our routine, I like to cook a lot. And we're in a hotel here for four months, there's no cooking, and we're at the lounge kind of eating way too much. So having the, the a great kitchen where we can cook and kind of, and you're, we're, we're staying home more. So it's not just when Tim mentions if the pet's sick, you don't get to have your vacation. Almost all houses say you can only be gone from the house for X number of hours. And what wouldn't be unusual is maybe like four to six hours. So you're not going to Orlando and you're out for 12 hours a day seeing Disney um, and, and leaving the dog at home. It's not like that. Or exploring London. You're kind of living there like you would maybe at your home. And if we're going to be taking a kind of more vacation thing, we will go pay for accommodations stay at hotels, stay at an Airbnb kind of a, a rental. But we, 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 we get a lot from this. So we have a better situation with a kitchen almost always. It's somebody's home. So it's not like an Airbnb that's kind of outfitted it with a, the junky pots and pans and knives. No, like the places that we're picking have generally, they're cooking for themselves. And then also we love pets and we don't have a pet in this lifestyle. We know some who do, who do nomad life with pets. Um, it didn't work for us. And so so we get to love up on pets. Uh, like I said, it saves us money in our budget. So there's it's, there's it's multifaceted, but it did change our lives when we learned about it and started it eight years ago. There is a small annual fee for trusted house sitters, maybe in, in the same league as what an annual fee might be for a credit card. But when we get half of our nights in, in a given year uh, with no lodging in the mix, uh, that's obviously... We pay for itself in a weekend. Right, so it's, it's, it's a pretty much a no-brainer. But, uh, and we've done lots of great sits. We've yeah. done at least 10 of them in California. We've done them in the heart of San Francisco for a cat overlooking the city. We've done them in Brooklyn. France twice. We've done them in Manhattan uh, at the, in Santa Barbara, in this coast of the Mediterranean, in Spain, we have uh, Scotland, uh, Oxford, England. So we have these great situations. And we had, I mentioned the farm sit. That was, I didn't expect to love it so much. Uh, Florida. So all, all kinds of amazing house sits. We have uh, two big long ones coming up this year. One in Sonoma uh, for over two months with their car and one in Porto with a bird for also just over two months. So I don't know that we'll do more than two because they are kind of, I mean, we, we, we know that we're trading off. We do what we are doing chores. So we do still want to enjoy being kind of like vacationers. So we, we try to balance it where we're not just house sitting all the time. I think there's a confusion that people who house it do it 24 seven. That's, that's not necessarily true for all of us. We also, so we used to say, um, you shouldn't have an expectation that your first sit is going to be uh, a house sit in the heart of Paris watching a cat, and you can be gone for 12 hours a day. However, uh, we have some friends who were sort of new to house sitting over the, the past couple of years, and they did have situations like that as their first sit. So you really don't know uh, what you're going to find. But um, again, we, we, we love what we do with our house sitting gigs, and it's just, it's a completely, it's, uh, best travel hack it's, ever. it's the best travel hack ever. Yeah, I can see it absolutely being that. I mean, the, the economics of it are astronomical when you look at how many nights, you know, you're saving, especially as people who are being on the road. And I can imagine, you know, I, I remember back to like when I was traveling full time and the few times that we stopped for a month or a month and a half rented a place 
place. And, you know, you get that sort of feeling of what it's like to be a local, which is completely different than when you're traveling all the time. Plus, I imagine having that homey space when you're, especially if you've been in hotels for a while, I'm sure after you guys, after your four months in hotels, you'll love having a homey space to be in and to spend some time in and have some downtime in. Hotels are great. Even nice ones can be great, right? I mean, but they can get old after a while. It can get cold. It can get lonely. And, you know, just having a, a home could be a nice thing, I would imagine. I know that when my lifestyle allows it, I definitely want to do some more house sits. You guys have inspired me on that one. I will say we don't have the lonely piece because of the Go With Less community. We just started putting out, so in the past, we've just kind of randomly seen who's here. Oh, a whole bunch of us are here. Just a couple months ago, I said, you know, let me see if anyone, we were going to be booking these two resorts in Bali, and I thought it might be lonely. So I asked the Go With Less community, hey, does anyone want to meet us in Bali? And several people said, we're not in, we don't have points, or we don't, uh, we're not into the resort experience. Uh, So I said, well, then you can meet us for a month in Kuala Lumpur. 37 people came to Kuala Lumpur, which totally blew me away. Not a single one of them lived there, so it's not like it was a big expat group there. All visitors from the Go With Less community, and that was more purposeful. It wasn't like randomly 37 people show up. That was more planned, but it was unbelievable. No time for loneliness. And then we moved to Resort One here in Bali. 10 of them came with us. There were 14 of us at that resort. There's eight of us here at this resort, and uh, and only two of them came from the last resort. So the, the lonely part, we figured out the lonely part. There's no loneliness, but the house still does give like just a cozy part. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier you mentioned Colorado was your home before you went became nomadic, uh, but I believe Texas is your home now, technically. Is that right? That's right. And why is that? The reason we're in Texas now is uh, there are no taxes in Texas versus when we were in Colorado. State. Uh, state income taxes, right? Obviously, there's federal income taxes. But uh, but we moved to Texas or we domicile in Texas basically out of mail service that's set up to accommodate people that RV. And so we did that um, uh, for, for tax reasons. We're not RVers, though. No, we're not RVers. People under, they have no idea when you say you're nomadic. We are nomadic around the world. 95% of people will say, you travel in an RV? No. <laughs> no. Because that became such a thing, right, with the pandemic, all those people, you know, doing vans and RV travel and everything like that. I think that that got in front of everybody's minds, and that's how they envision it all now. Van life. Van life, yes. So how do you handle the mail? Obviously, you said you go to a mail forwarding. Do they scan it into you? Do they send it somewhere else? How does that work? That's right. So our mail shows up in our mailbox in Texas, and you can choose to have them scan it or not scan it. Uh, we choose to have our scan. And so when we get a new credit card, for instance, um, they will take a picture of that credit card for us and send it to us. Front and uh, back. Front and back. I know some people might be hesitant to have that, but we, we don't have a problem with it. Um, and then they send us that, and we can actually, once we have that information, uh, we can load that into Google Pay or Apple Pay, and we can start using credit cards as soon as they show up at our, our mail service and text. So how are you you know, earning miles and points, I guess, in general? Is it through sign-up bonuses and being able to take advantage of it? It gets mailed to Texas. You now get it. You get it in a digital wallet, and you can use it because it might be you know months before you are able to get that physical card. Is that how you're, how you're doing it? How do you meet your spend requirements, and how are you earning enough miles and points to cover your travel? So we have a nice division. So t- I, I kind of take care of 
the house sitting, all the communication. So when we're on a house sit, we both do the chores equally. But uh, but I kind of find the sits and do all communication about the sits. Tim takes on earning the points. He We have roughly three dozen credit cards, active cards between the two of us. And that's something that he manages very heavily. I'm the person who is more tasked with finding good redemptions for those points, the good hotels and uh, airfare routes. He, we both dabble in that, but I, I kind of spend a lot more time on that. So, um, so, when, so we've had kind of like two sides of this. We signed up a year ago for the both Southwest cards for the companion pass, as well as an American Express platinum card. We had $21,000 of spend to meet and didn't have any cards in hand. And we did all of it online. $21,000. Yeah, we were in Mexico. So $21,000 online. We prepaid for our expat insurance. We overpaid for our self-employment taxes, our quarterly taxes. Uh, just, just brought our, pulled our spending forward, paid for our storage unit because we really don't spend that much money. Uh, to do twenty-one thousand dollars in a month, uh, but we did, and uh, and and then uh, and then we paid for cruises in advance. We paid for the tips on cruises. We took five cruises in twenty twenty-two. So even though we took advantage of those quote-unquote free cruises with Carnival, we still have to pay taxes, fees, and tips. So we paid all that with those cards. And then there's the second part is that when we were in Europe, having other sign-up bonuses when we can add those cards to our uh, our online Apple Wallet or Google Pay. I'm an Apple person. He's a Google person. So Google Pay. Uh, and in Europe, we barely used, uh, so we obviously want to use credit cards for everything we do. And I think we used cash for something like maybe two transactions in three months. So they make it very easy. So so it depends on, like in, in Mexico, the Apple Pay, that wasn't going to work like it does in Europe. Uh, so, we, But we did find opportunities with online spending. Yeah, so when we were back in the States, um, we could make, I wouldn't say as much spending as we wanted to make happen uh, using creative ways that I'm sure you're familiar with. Those ways don't necessarily exist when we're abroad. So we have like spending seasons at the end of the year and at the beginning of the year we have a lot of spending that's grouped together and so we sign up for new cards whenever that comes together and then as, as we're abroad we're not paying a lot of attention other than making sure the card that we're using is is the, I guess a, a, the most uh, it's giving us two percent back or something like that we're trying to use just maybe one strategic card we're not paying attention to grocery category or restaurant category or anything like that. And so um, we just, again, we have a few credit cards that we'll sign up for when we have all this spending at, at the right time of the year. Something else, uh, we, we obviously, because of house sitting, uh, we have millions of points, but we, we earned those years ago and we're still sort of burning through those and we'll get a few hundred thousand points in a given year. But those aren't supporting all of our travel. For instance, uh, we cruises we found is a great way for uh, intercontinental transportation. It's very cost effective, and obviously we're not. Well, I guess you potentially could use points and miles for that. We're yeah, not. We um, yeah. We also were focused on. We used to be focused on uh, sort of economy travel with our airfare. Uh, we took this business class flight from Mexico City to to Bangkok. We're completely sold on business class travel now, so i got to go earn some more points in my life. A lot more. <laughs> a lot more. A lot more. And um, so, so it, it's in, and with hotels, uh, again, it's uh, we, we, we haven't stayed in them a lot. So hotel points, as I'm sure you're aware, um, they don't go very far. So it's like uh, you can burn through hotel points super, super fast. And so uh, we pay a mixture of cash and points and miles when we're, we're staying abroad. 
Also, like our, our, all of our flights here in Asia, we're doing with low-cost carriers. We're not flying business class intra-Asia. So For sure. It's, it's a mixed bag of things. So we're very, um, just like with our cash, we're simil- similarly frugal with our points. So I know there's this philosophy in the points and miles world that you really need to burn your points as soon as you spend them because they're always devaluing. And so we don't necessarily... Uh, we understand that philosophy, but for us, um, our points are there. We're waiting for great redemptions, and we take advantage of things when they come up, and we want to make sure that there are points in our account to make that happen. We're well, not earning burn. It's funny because there's so many different ways to do it, right? There's the earn and burn people, and then there's people doing it like you, and then there's people that are pursuing this hobby primarily for the cash value of points and cashing in and financially you know, rewarding themselves because they don't travel as much or whatever, and I think that's fine to do it. However, and you know, I found this last year, I've been kind of similar to you guys. I have these waves of spend and then I try to get new cards around them, uh, especially like the fourth quarter for me was a ton of spend, more spend than you know I could do on any sign up bonus. And then right now I have no spend and I stupidly signed up for that Capital One Spark or I guess Venture X business card now. That's 50 grand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so I, so it's, 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 it's a good challenge. You're it's a good challenge, it. uh, but I'm hating it. <laughs> How long do you have for that, Sean? Uh, six months. So I'm. I signed up in the middle of December, so I still have a bit of time, and I'm already. I did. Yeah, I'm already about 15k into the 50k. So I still. I'll, I'll get there. It's fine. I, I'm not worried about it. But you're gonna get there. Come on, you're Sean Coomer. <laughs> I should have never. I should have never done it. That's. Let's just put it that way. I. I'm going. Uh, gonna do it kicking and screaming. So as we wrap up this show, I just want to say it's been great talking with you guys. What is some of your best advice for people who are looking to plan for this type of life? I guess the life that you have, whether it's the nomadic life, the the fire life, kind of finding your your dream at a younger age. You know, not believing that you have to be 75 before you retire and travel the world, or you know, finding this different way to live and this group of people who also lives in similar ways. What's some of the best advice for people who are kind of inspired by your story? Okay, well, there's different sides of this. So first, I'm going to say, if you want to retire early, you need to be tracking your spending. Every People say, I know what I spend. If you're not tracking it, you probably don't. We spend almost everything on credit cards, but until you track it, and then after you're done tracking for a while, maybe you're used to tracking, then you start looking at it. So the tracking is, and you can use something like Mint or Personal Capital or anything like that uh, to track. Uh, but then really looking at it and understanding where are you spending your money so and that is going to be for more than a year because just like you said and we've said there's seasonal things there's car insurance and and property taxes and all kinds of stuff christmas that comes up that uh, it doesn't isn't a snapshot of one month another thing is to earn more and spend less so do side hustles uh so it's not so if you have it's drive for uber do all there's all kinds of self stuff on uh ebay there's all kinds of things you could be doing to be earning more and and trying to make that gap wider and the more that the wider that gap is the earlier you retire early another one when it comes to nomadic life is stop buying stuff tim had all kinds of collections he had coins and uh, stamps and comic books he gave them away. He couldn't sell these. Like nobody wants your stuff is, is what we learned. We had a hard time giving away new things with tags on it from like nice stores in the mall. People don't even want it for free. So the idea that this stuff has any value, unless you're working really, really hard to be selling this stuff on something like an eBay, 
Not really. It does not. And, and if it's anything electronic, it's, it's going uh, old and losing money by the minute. So stop buying stuff. Uh, and here's the last piece that I'm going to mention is uh, do not, as you get raises, uh, save it. So uh, when um, Tim and I had uh, were dual income, every single penny in my income was saved. That's what we're leaving, living on now. So we used Tim's money uh, while we were working and that money all went into uh, his savings went into something like a tax deferred 401k IRA well mine was already taxed and so this is how we're living now uh, until we can draw out uh, our our investments as you get raises as you get tax refunds as you might get a gift or maybe even inheritance don't spend it don't get the bigger home the newer car save it save it save it and those are the kind of things that once we were doing them as a habit uh, when it came time for us to learn about this early retirement, oh, like just make some tweaks and we're ready to go. And so what Amy mentions this uh, uh, tracking your spending. So there's a thing called the 4% rule. Just if you Google this, you'll find out what it is. But uh, basically spending is what you need to know in order to figure out whether you have enough money to retire. So we didn't have a clue when we started uh, looking at this, what that looked like. And so but if you Google that, you'll figure out what that means. And spending is the key component there. So if you can bring that number down uh, and, and keep it down, it's going to let you uh, potentially retire earlier. Also, uh, we, we had a big spending lifestyle before we decided to fire. So um, we, it can we, be done. It can be done. That's exactly why. We, so there's this thing called lifestyle inflation, like Amy was mentioning earlier, where you buy as soon as you get a raise, you buy a bigger house, you buy a bigger car. You have someone do your so lawn. We actually, we had that in our life. We deflated our lifestyle. We uh, we sold our big home. We moved into a town home that we had. We went down to property. one car. And so it, it can be done, I guess. And we loved it. And, and we, here's the thing, when you say can be done, the, 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 the thing you really have to say is our life was better for it. So it's not just it can be done kicking and screaming and our life was awful, but no, it was fantastic. So we had our freedom. We thought that we would be making a lot of compromises to have that freedom. But it turns out that we liked our new life better. And it wasn't just because we weren't working, but we it turns out that we were able to cook our own food. Uh, Tim lost a whole bunch of weight after he retired because we ate all of our food. And I'm going to say, all, I was able to do a lot of gourmet cooking at home. And we'd eat the food and say, this is better than most restaurants because I had time to make it. I didn't have to buy prepared or convenient foods. I could take three hours to make dinner every day. because, And I love to do that. Um, and it was really healthy and delicious and saved us a ton of money. I think that's some great advice. So many people, I think, in the in the U.S. struggle uh, with finances and with the desire for more. Right? We have we're com- we're bombarded with commercials, and you need this new thing and that new thing. And uh, I'm guilty of that certainly once in a while. You guys always give me a lot to think about. Let's put it that way. When it comes to to my own life and everything I'm doing, whether it's being inspired to save more so that I can eventually retire early to uh, the way you guys live your nomadic life, to the communities that you build. It's just been uh, amazing to be your friend, to get to know you over the last few years. And I think you guys shared some amazing advice with our listeners. And I appreciate you guys coming on the show and sharing this uh, beautiful life that you guys have built. Where can people find you when they're not listening to this podcast? You know, where's the Facebook group, YouTube, all that good stuff? 
Okay, so our name is Go With Less and there are no spaces. Had we known what a big deal that was to have no spaces, we would have never started that way. And we didn't know anyone would even join anything. So, uh, but it is Go With Less, no spaces. And we're very big on Facebook, obviously. There's a page and a group. If you join the group, make sure you answer the questions because the membership team uh, will not let you in. We are really trying to work hard to get those trolls out. So we wanna make sure real people are there. So there's some engaging questions you gotta answer. Um, and then we are big, uh, we still do quite a few YouTube videos. We uh, went from weekly to whenever we want to because now we're, we're traveling and uh, and the, the Facebook group is really the, the main one. But, uh, but we still put up uh, videos at Go With Less. Our Instagram, I, I pop up on, on there. I have spurts where I'm really active and that's We Go With Less. And then our Go With Less page. But the, really the main thing is the Facebook group and the YouTube. And I'll throw links to those in the description so people listening to the podcast can check them out. Amy and Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Have an amazing time in Bali. Thank you. Thanks to your audience for listening.